Welcome back to Missing Bits, the podcast that aims to learn all about the people in our community and not just their missing bits. Uh, with us today is Vivian Duffett from Adelaide. Vivian is 60 years young, has four grown-up children, is a right below-knee amputee and a peer support volunteer with Limbs for Life. Welcome aboard, Viv. How's things today? Thank you. Yeah, good. Thanks, Gary. Um, it's warm and, uh, and I'm having a slow day because of the heat, but yeah. all good. How do you handle the heat with um, your processes? Yeah, it, it gets a little bit difficult um, because with perspiration and the leg doesn't want to stay on properly. Right. And uh, get like a wear. Um, so you've got to take it off and leave it to the air so that it can cool down um, because you don't want to create like uh, blisters yep. and have anything go wrong with the stump because then you can't wear your leg and, and I don't like to be confined to my wheelchair. Yep, same. I um I don't deal well with the hot weather at all. I generally no. tell, I tell people my socket just fills up like a bucket of water. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll get your heat tomorrow. I imagine it's going to be thirty five okay. here tomorrow. Okay. I think we yeah I think we're cooling down. Um, I don't know. I think we've got about thirty, but right. and then after that progressively getting colder, so I guess you can look forward to that as well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You, t- you tend to pass on yeah. things to us from Adelaide. Well, that's right. Where did you grow up? Oh, okay. Um, I grew up in um, around the uh, northeastern suburbs of Adelaide right. in a place called Felixstowe. Um, firstly, it was St Peter's, and then we moved from there and went to Felixstowe, and there we stayed until about the 70s. Um, and then, unfortunately, my parents split up, so we had, we were moving all over the shop after that. But predominantly, we've lived in the northeastern suburbs. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that happened to me the same. My my parents split up um, in seventy seventy six, um, and um, yeah, I st- I I went I went to live with my mum, and we just moved everywhere imaginable. I don't know what it is about splitting up and moving, but we seem to do a lot of it. Oh, no, it's interesting because I've um, probably, I haven't had many moves at all since I've been a mature adult. Yeah. And, like, you know, where I am now, I've been here for 25 years. And I yeah, go, good. oh, I don't want to think about the next move. But um, I've got a long while before that. <laughs> and my last time, um, the last time we moved, my stepmother said to me, because she's quite used to us moving around a bit, and um, she said to mm. me, where's the next move? And I, and I turned to her and I said, Springvale Cemetery. <laughs> I'm, not mo- I'm not moving uh, again. Yeah, well, that's how I feel sometimes. That's I the worst thing. Mm. Oh, no, I think you get it. Well, the rest of um, my family have had a lot of moves and, uh, and it always seems that I'm helping them move somewhere and I keep thinking, thank goodness that's not me. I know. Be horrendous, you know, trying to settle. And I'm lucky because I've made my home quite comfortable, so it should last me until my yeah, till I meet my demise. Yep, sure. So, yeah. um, did did moving around mean moving schools as well, or did you did you manage to stay at one school? Yeah, no, we managed to stay at one school. Yep, because we're in the same vicinity of where the school was. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, in actual fact, my primary school had a reunion of 50 years and we um, we were there when it first opened. So we okay. still rocked. Um, yeah, 
Good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about school reunions. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you had some bad moments? <laughs> no, my, my wife. My wife's got a theory about school reunions. Um, she says if um, she wanted to keep in touch with these people, she would have, and she's not going to go and socialise with them now. <laughs> That's right. Well, interestingly enough, we've actually we have actually kept in touch with a lot of them all our lives. Right. Good. So created lifelong friends as well, which has been really good. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of student so, were you? I was a plotter, what you call a plotter. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, um, I couldn't grasp things all that well. And back in my day, they didn't actually, I, my, my children, are uh, two of them are quite dyslexic. Right. And uh, I think back in my day, I might have been too, because um, they didn't diagnose things like that back then. They certainly then. didn't. So, sorry? They certainly didn't. I'm I'm sure I went to school with a few kids who were dyslexic and and the, the everyone just I think all the teachers just expected them to try harder. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, and as you can imagine, I had a sister that um, was quite bright. So by the time we got to high school, we were in the same year level because I had actually had to repeat year two when I was little because of right. illness. And um, so we were always in the same year. But when we got to high school, they did the whole you know, you're, you've got a higher IQ, so you go to the top of the rank and then you've got the ones in the bottom. And, of course, yeah. that's what happened in the end. It was like that sort of put a division between us for a while. Sure, but, I can imagine. Um, yeah, but we got there. You know, we're best friends and I'm just as smart as she is and <laughs> I've been just as successful. So, yeah, yeah. What did, what, what did you want to do when you left school? Well, there was a couple of things. I wanted to join the Navy and I wanted to be a chef. Right. And I didn't do either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up, I became a mum quite young. Right. And, uh, and I was married quite young and I ended up um, just, you know, bringing up children really. And then sure. by the time they, and I had children, my first marriage didn't last and my second marriage was quite a long time. And I had three children to that marriage. And um, so I just basically um, looked after them until they went to school. And then yep. I found work. And I uh, started being like a kitchen hand and um, general cleaning and that sort of thing. And then at 38, I had a bit of an epiphany. And I thought, you know what? I reckon I could do better than this. So I became a temp, uh, which my sister got me into because she was into recruitment. Yep. And I became a temp for the Department of Transport, you know, in licensing and registering your cars and things like that. Sure. And uh, and I ended up, I was a temp there for, oh, I reckon nearly eight years, and I ended up winning an award as one of the best temps. And then uh, the recruitment company offered me a job as a recruitment consultant in Blue Collar. And I did that up until the day of my accident. So oh, I absolutely loved it. Mm. So you sort of just fell into that. I did just fall into it, and it was something. Well, it was something I had a. <clears throat> I've always been very um, people orientated. Yep. And and I thought if I can help someone to get a job and help them to keep it, especially the young, then that would be my aim to make sure you get them on the right track. And with blue collar, it was more suited to me because I'm. A bit of a tomboy, so I, um, you know, I broke through the factories and, um, you know, seeing what was there and how machinery worked, and I got quite involved and very close to clients, and um, yeah, 
and that way you could pick the right people and uh, that suited those areas. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was, yeah, I was very passionate about that. I, I mm. love, I love um, hearing people talk about jobs that they're passionate about because you, you you can hear it in their voice, and I can imagine if I was sitting there looking at you, I'd see it in your eyes and your face as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face now, just talking about it. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was really quite sad when I realised that I wasn't going to be able to do that again. Sure. Because I reckon I could have done it for. In the end, I was looking after apprentices, like um, businesses that needed apprentices, and then the apprentices would sign up with our company, and I did that uh, statewide for South Australia. And uh, and I loved it, and I so I was on the road a lot because you know my kids are at home. I was a free agent, and I just you know planned things and, and got right the right kids, and you got some troublesome ones, but you got them on the right track, and they passed, kept their apprenticeship for four years and became an employee of the company, and yeah, it was really a really good job. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, but never mind, you know, as, as we know, things change as you know. That's a flick of a switch, so... Sometimes I can. Yeah. Had my accident and that was that. So now I'm, I've got a life and leisure, um, which is challenged. Sure. Hmm. How old were you when you f- had your first child? My first job? Yeah, first child. Or child. Yes, I was 18. 18? You beat me. Yeah. I was, I was a baby. I was, I was 20 when my... My first son was born. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's very young, isn't it, when you... Have you only got one? Two. Okay. Two grandchildren yeah. now, too. Oh, have you? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got any grandchildren. My daughter's... Um, she fosters, but uh, unfortunately we don't see a lot of each other. But um, my sons are too... Well, I say they're too young. They're... They're um, 27, 25. I've got twins, 25. But um, they are still what I call boys. You know, they're not ready to settle down by any means. Sure. So it's going to be a while before I get um, grandchildren. (laughs) Well, look forward to it because it's better than I thought it was going to be. Well, you know, it's funny. My sister says that. She's got two grandchildren and my other sister's got four. And uh, they're both younger than me, but they love it. And yep. I keep thinking, oh, I'm so glad in a way. I'm, I suppose because um, I'm where I'm at now with my leg and all, I'm thinking, well, if I had two grandchildren, I couldn't run around after them yet. Um, and that could be, you know, that could be disappointing. So maybe, you know, I'm not meant to have them yet. Yep. But I do enjoy the great uh, the great nieces and nephews. Yep. Yeah. So hmm. your, your amputation wasn't too long ago. Take us through what happened. Okay, I had a motorbike accident in um, 2014 and a guy hit me head on. He came home to my path, you know, trying to overtake. Yeah. So I was in hospital um, with lots of damage. All my right side from head to toe were broken Mm. and uh, my big toe was ripped off, ankle and foot smashed, tibia fibula snapped, femur snapped, the whole bit on the leg. But... um, then um, I got through rehab and the, and they had a couple of operations on my toe and my foot, uh, sorry, on my foot and my ankle. And uh, they weren't successful. So at the end, I thought I'll tolerate that for as long as I can. And if I don't need any more pain relief, because I didn't want to be a zombie, you know, I just knew that I wanted to be alert yeah. and I knew that I still had a lot I want to do in life. And... Um, 
So the surgeon, at the end of the second operation, I said to the surgeon, will I need any more operations? And he said, look, I don't really think there's any more we can do. He said, I think we've got two choices. One is more medication for pain or an amputation. Yep. And I um, I was a bit taken aback, but I said, you know what, leave it with me. So then I decided that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I had to um, do my research because I'm one of those that I'm more comfortable if I know the more I know. You know? So I've got to learn about this amputation thing and how it works. And... Um, then I went, I contacted Limbs for Lock and I um, talked to a lady, I can't remember her name right now, that was a long time ago, but anyway, I spoke to this lady and she'd had a similar operation and uh, she sounded like very positive and explained a few things to me and that yes, it's a huge decision. Um, talked to her for about an hour and then I decided to contact the Hampstead Centre here, which is a rehabilitation place. And it's only about a half a kilometre from where I live. So I went up there and I um, started some rehab there and spoke to a lot of amputees. And they've got a little group called the Jolly Hoppers. Okay. So That's a great I joined name. That little group. Yeah, it was a great name. And we, um, they meet for lunch. There's a hotel at Edenmite Street as well. And um, they have lunch there every month. So on a Tuesday or the last Tuesday of the month. So I decided to join them and, and see how they cope and all that. And it took me about two weeks um, to make up my mind that I'd have the amputation. Sure. So, um, it, yeah, it was like you could imagine it's a terrible decision to have to make because you can't imagine ever having to lose a part of your body, especially the thing that gets you around. So... Um, yeah, once I made up my mind, I thought, you know what, I've got to move forward and I've got to be positive and I've got to believe I can do this. So um, I started uh, at the gym to get strong and fit and had my amputation in January um, 2017. Okay. And uh, I haven't really looked back. Yep. Yeah, no, I think it's the best decision I made. Yep. Mm. Um, I, was, I was talking to someone recently um there's um you see a lot of medical shows on TV. Um yeah. and um the, the surgeon or the doctor will be talking about a patient who's been in an accident or something and they always say worst case scenario is amputation and I don't think that's true. I think worst case scenario is death. Um but, mm. but pain is another factor. Pain is another factor, yes. I think I think ongoing pain is possibly worse than having a part removed. And, and I believe, I think you're right, absolutely right. I agree entirely. In fact, um, I find myself sometimes encouraging people that need to think about um, an amputation mm -hmm. to let them know that, you know, the nerve, nerve pain is can be managed, um, but to have continual pain is debilitating. Yep. You know, you're tired, you can't think straight, you can't do much, you you're intolerant with things. Yes. Um, it just, it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. And the longer it goes on, the, yeah, it is. It's debilitating. Yes. So, um, yeah, I agree. And, but, it, you know, you don't, until it happens to you, you don't think about that side Absolutely. in life. You know, that, do I lose something and, and what do I do with that, you know? But I've managed to stay extremely positive the whole time. And one thing I did know 
was from the accident. Then I was in, I was in a, an induced coma for about five days or six days. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up, I didn't even know I'd had the accident. Like I knew I was sore, but I couldn't. I, so I have no memory of the accident. But I remember thinking, no matter what happens from here on in, I'm not going to waste my time worrying about the guy that hit me or anything else. It's going to be about making myself strong and fear again. Yep. And I've been on that road ever since. It seems, um, it seems to be a course, common theme too with um, amputees that we get on with things. Yes. I've, I've, yes. I can honestly say I've never met a more positive bunch of people in my life. Um, and no. and often those people have plenty of stuff to be negative about, but none of them are. No, that's exactly right. And and that gives you another strength as well, doesn't it? Like yeah. Helping people like that and just um, meeting people constantly and talking. And everybody has a different experience, but it's always a good one. Yep. You know? And uh, yes, they might have negative days or they might have days that are more difficult than others, but... All in all, you can still manage to keep um, your life as well, like what I call the new normal, you know. Yep. You start developing things that you can do more easily, not the things that you're going to make difficult. And you get smarter about how you're going to cope with something. Yep. And, you know, and I think that's, that's a good thing. So, so you mentioned you mentioned um, the, the dealing with the nerve pain. Were you talking about phantom pain or? No, I'm talking about nerve pain. Right. Yeah. Oh, I call phantom pain phantom sensation. Right. Because um, to me, it's like a, well, it is. It's a funny sensation because you actually think your limb's still there, <laughs> um, and, and but it's not painful. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So you know. I do get an itchy big toe and it's not there and I do get um, an itch in the middle of my foot and I get ankle pain and all sorts. And I go, that's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> so the mind is a powerful thing because it's not something that I even subconsciously think about. It just happens. Sure. And those times it's funny because now when I, if I'm walking along and my big toe hurts, I just um, tap my foot a couple of times and it stops. Sure. And so I've meant to deal with all that. But the nerve pain is genuinely at night. Okay. And uh, and I'm I've been so in touch with my body um, and how because I do a lot of things with a naturopath, so I sort of try not to take too much medication. Or um, and yeah, and I um, found that with the nerve pain, a lot's got to do with my diet as well. So if I have a night where I've gone out with the girls, so to speak, and I have a few bubbles. Uh, I have a terrible night with nerve pain. Is that right? Yeah. And if I have a day where I might have eaten chocolate or had a day of, you know, meeting people for coffee and cake and that sort of thing, I again suffer. So that that, um, prompted me to go with take away sugar and know that if I go out to socialise, it's a trade-off. I'm going to have a bad night. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so I've picked those things up and I've managed to. I was on 300 milligrams in uh, Lyrica for or from the day of the accident, so it was three years. And the last year I've been spending weaning off, yep. and um, I had some terrible side effects, but I've managed to get down to 150 and I've recognized that I can't go any lower at this point. Okay, so 
Um, so, yeah, I've had to resign myself to the fact that I need to stay on that 150. But, you know, it might change later down the track. Sure. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. Everything changes day to day sometimes. It, it certainly does, yeah. So tell, tell me about waiting in the hospital to go to the theatre. Oh, for my amputation? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was an interesting one because they told me I didn't have to be there until 2.30. So I arranged the morning to stay busy. And um, then I got a phone call saying, where are you at 10.30 in the morning? And I said, well, oh, no. I'm not meant to be there. <laughs> they said, oh, well, we need you now. Oh, so oh, anyway, no. I get there. Sorry? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we just dropped everything and off to the hospital we went. And um, I, I was a little bit apprehensive, but I knew that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to think about changing my mind or anything. I just had to, it just seemed more real. So um, I got there at 11 o'clock and uh, they attended to me and then they said, oh, we've just had an emergency. You won't be going in until six. Oh, no. So, yeah. So I'm like, right. Well, I had my partner with me and I had my sister and uh, they sat with me the whole day. We've got funny sense of humour. So we started about, my sister and I, that is, we started about soft one another about silly things, you know, like what, what you do without your leg and what sort of funny names you come up with as a nickname and that sort of thing. So we spent the afternoon laughing. Um, and then they, I had the uh, socks on, you know, the ones to stop the DVT? Yes. Uh, for circulation. I don't know what they call them. But anyway, I had them on. And I said to my sister, oh, my gosh, we better write on the left leg that, not to remove that one. <laughs> so we wrote, uh, we wrote a message saying, do not touch this one with a smiley face, you know. Yeah. And I had a surgeon that was very serious. And I said to my sister, I hope that makes him smile. Anyway, when we woke up, the, the anaesthetist said to us, you know, or when I woke up, should I say, he said, you know what, Dr. Ben saw your amputate, your note and he cracked up. I said, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was an interesting one. But, yeah, we so we spent the day, as long as it was, it, um, it wasn't until they wheeled me down to the theatre at 6 o'clock that I sort of got a bit teary and I thought, right, this is it. Now I've just got to wake up in a good spirit. And uh, I woke up at about 10.30 that night and I just straight away, I thought, I've got to sit up and throw the sheets back. And I did. And it was like all the weight had lifted off my shoulders. Sure. I thought, oh, I've made the right decision. Yep. So, yeah, so I, I guess, you know, it wasn't as confronting as I thought it would be. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And in, um, after, after the, the surgery, um, did you get good support? Yes, I did, yes. I, I had a lot of support. I had uh, straight away, they had me out of bed the next morning and um, I had good therapists, physios. Um, yeah, yeah, I had everything I wanted, really. It was just great. Yeah. And I was only in hospital for three days. Wow. So, yeah, I came home and I um, just thought, well, I've got to get used to that. And then I had a, a wheelchair and thought, well, I've got to work out what to do. So, uh, yeah, so it was good. And I actually had a new, I had my pros, first prosthetic, um, I reckon it was six weeks later. Wow. Yeah, so it was good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a funny thing to say, but people say sometimes, oh, wow, you poor thing, and you go, no. You know what? It's, it's, 
in a good road, really, because um, it's difficult, and it's and sometimes you get angry and you feel like, how come this happened to me? But you don't dwell on it for very long. You know, you can't afford to. Mm. Absolutely. What was rehab like? Well, I actually went to a private rehab, but everything I had was private, so I was very fortunate. And um, it was a uh, there were a lot of elderly people there having um, knee replacements and hips and things like that. Um, but the, the staff were fantastic, and uh, you know when they took me down for therapy and just getting me to walk and things like that was really good. Yeah, really good. Do you remember your first time walking? Uh, yes. I do, yes. Uh, that was when I, yes, I had my um, prosthetic fitted um, and the prosthetist said to me, you know, because I was a bit excited about it, and he <laughs> said, you know, we're going <laughs> to fit this on you, but you're only going to be able to walk for a little while. You won't be able to keep it on. You can take it home, but you certainly won't walk out with it on. And I said, oh, okay. So I had to get my balance and I had to get the feel of it and all that sort of thing. But if there was something that I did, it was straight away trust or know that I had to trust this leg was going to support me. Yep. So um, I did a few uh, walking up and down with the uh, horizontal bars so I could hang on to them. And then I said, oh, can I walk up the corridor? And he said, yeah. And he said, we'll give you a walking stick. So we did that. and. Oh, about 40 minutes later, I said, okay, well, I might as well go home now. And I walked out with it on and I spent it with it on for the day. Yeah. But I regretted it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> because it was too long. And, of course, I thought, oh, you're right, you know, this is going to be good. But, yeah, no, it was um, it was a little bit too long, but at least I walked out with it on. They said, it doesn't happen very often. But, um, yeah, I was happy. And after that, I didn't look back either. I just... Um, Went for it and thought, well, I got what I got. Sure, I've, I've told I've told this story in season one, um, but back back when I had my foot off, I was I was only five years old. That was in 1968, and okay, uh, and they fitted me with a prosthesis. Um, it took quite a bit of time. Um, thing, things were different then, but that that's beside the point. Yeah. They they asked they they fitted me with the prosthesis, my very first one, which I still got in the wardrobe, by the way. It's tiny. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, and um, I they they asked me to hang on to the horizontal bars and walk yeah. up and then walk back and then sit down. Well, me being five years old, I walked up and turned around and ran back. Oh, yeah. And that was it. I was done. Oh dear. I was off and running <laughs> from that moment. Yeah, and this is you know I was only having a conversation with someone this morning about children. Um, that have amputations and they just are so, what do you call it, uninhibited. They just get on with it. They're not phased by anything and you sort of wish that you could be like that in a way. And I think in some way, because I was so trusting of a prosthetic, I, um, I, I was sort of like a little kid really. I was excited. I thought, yeah. oh, I'm going to be able to walk again. I think, I think as a as a kid, you adapt very quickly, and yes. you just want to be one of the other kids, so you just try everything. And in my case, no one told me what I couldn't do, so I just did everything. 
Um, yes. I, ha I have a lot of admiration for people such as yourself who have um, this done later in life um, and have to learn everything all over again. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Well, it is, you're right. You do have to learn everything over again. You know, like the, the balance and the, um, even just general life. You know, I was very spontaneous before my accident. Now that spontaneity was taken away um, because I certainly have to take time to put a leg on and I, you know, have to take time in the shower and you can't, you know, you've got to plan everything now. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a big learning curve because even mentally, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way and then you've got to slow down. So I find I cannot, every time I rush, I tend to have a fall. Okay. So it's like, and I've probably only had three, but or four, but um, but that's what I found. Each time I've learned a bit of a lesson, going yeah, that's because you're in a hurry. So cut it out, you know, and tell myself off, and <laughs> then we're okay. But yeah, so that's my hardest. The hardest thing is one slowing down, remembering that um, that I am getting older now. You know that things because as you get older, you get challenged anyway. Yeah, so, I'm finding that hard um, to deal with as I get older. Yes, and I think that, um, yeah, I think that like having an amputation as well is just just helping to challenge you. So, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting life because even now I'll go to do something and I think, what's I thinking? I can't do that. <laughs> you know, and I was always very independent and lived on my own. For, I live on my own and I... Um, used to fix everything. You know, I'd get in and I'd change pipes on taps and things like that if I had to or, you know, whatever, if the wall needed plastering or whatever, you know. I'd fix it in my own car even. And, sure. um, and now I can't do those things. You know, I can't climb a ladder and I can't, um, you know, put things up. Like paintings the other day, I was ever so frustrated because I thought if I get on the ladder, oh, actually, it was steps, you know, like higher steps. And I wanted to get on them to drill a hole in the wall for a, a nail for the frame for this picture I wanted to put up. Well, I stood there for ages and it was like, should I or shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, no, you shouldn't. So those sort of things frustrate me. Sure. But, um, you know, no, it, it's about safety as well. You know, it's about common sense and safety. So, yeah, every now and again you think, should I be naughty or not? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I did not chance it because I reckon my family would probably tell me off. <laughs> they spent too much time looking after me. Yeah. Uh, so tell, tell me old. about forgetting your leg. So uh, forgetting my leg? Yeah. Yes, forgetting, yes, that's a good one. I've Now, here's a funny one for you. One day I was sitting on, in my wheelchair. I had my leg up, up, upside down because I wanted to change my shoe. Mm-hmm. And so I had the socket between my legs and it was the foot was facing up and I took the shoe that it had on off and I was putting runners on and I thought, oh, gosh, I've just taken the sandals off. Now I need a sock to put on with my runner. I just got up and walked off. And <laughs> I, I hit the floor and I started to laugh and I thought, and my partner was home at the time and he said, um, are you all right? And I said, yeah, 
and he said, but you're laughing. And I said, yes, because you know what I did? I, I had that leg or that foot in my hand and I still thought I had a leg to get up and go and get the sock. Yeah. I said, how easy was that? You know, I just wasn't focused. And my, and the spells I've had have been exactly like that. Like I, I remember in my pantry, I can't get in there with the wheelchair and in the morning I make myself a cup of coffee and take it back to bed. And I... This morning I went in and I hopped to the fridge in the pantry and I turned around with the carton of milk in my hand and I went to walk off. Oh, no. And then I went with the milk and I've gone, great. That's, again, not being focused. What I've learned is that you have to stay present all the time. So um, they're the things that, you know, you, you just automatically, you have those moments where you're not present and you automatically go back into the old mode. Sure. So... Yeah, so I've, yeah, I've done that. It's a, an odd feeling, and I've had times where I've been on the lounge and um, I've almost stood up to walk away, and then I've gone, "Oops, my leg's not there." So I've generally got it at the side or something. But um, yeah, I've yeah, it happens. <laughs> I've only, I've only yeah. ever done it once, um, and I was very, very, very drunk, and it's a story for another day. <laughs> Yes, well, I'm to I'll, say I'll, I face planted. <laughs> yeah, I should imagine. Oh my gosh! So, do you get very drunk anymore? I'm not that drunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I find that I don't drink anywhere near the amount that I—not that I ever was a big drinker, but I was a social drinker. Um, and I'd have a really good time with people. Now I find that I'm probably the most sober one because I'm very conscious of the fact that when I go home, I'm on my own and um, I can't afford to fall and really hurt myself. So I need to be able to get my leg off and I need to be able to get myself to bed and I need to remember that I can't just get up and walk away and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's... that's a hard one because when you're around friends, they all go, come on, have another drink. And you go, no, hang on a minute. I can't afford to do that. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden you become more responsible. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, yeah. I, um, I'm more of a social drinker these days and, and I certainly have never been that drunk again, I can tell you that. No, I bet. It's, um, it's, it's quite a story which I'll reveal one day but not, not on a family channel. <laughs> oh, dear. So what's oh, next? Well. What's next for Vivian? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because um, I've been involved. I've been getting involved with volunteer uh, with charities. Like yep. I, I volunteer for a charity for um, of domestic violence. Um, okay. You know, homeless families that need homes in the hurry and all that sort of thing. And um, that, and I thoroughly enjoy that. I do that once a week. And I also volunteer for uh, aged care where I go and do sewing with them or crafts and things like that. Um, I also volunteer for Limbs for Life and go and visit people that, you know, want to talk to somebody that's had the experience of an amputation. Um, And, yeah, and I just seem to be, that seems to be my thing. And I'm... With my partner, he goes away. He works on a farm in Sejuna, which is about 800 kilometres from Adelaide. Right. And he goes off, like he'll go off for the summer to do the harvest and then he might be home for three months and then he's off again for the uh, sowing the seed, you know. And uh, so he's not home very often. But our plan is 
that we want to pack up and travel around Australia. And we'll do that caravan, like the Grey Nomads. Yes. (laughs) And that's our goal. Um, And I've done a few times in the caravan to see how I cope, and I cope quite well. You know, at night, getting we've got a bathroom in the caravan, so um, I can get to the bathroom um, easily, safely. I've learnt to take a... I have a wet neck, so I've learnt to take that neck to the bed, so obviously I can't have a wheelchair. But yeah. uh, I managed to get up, get it on, get to the bathroom, back to bed without too much uh, hassle. So I know I can manage um, with the caravan. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, and uh, and I'm a bit excited but apprehensive because in uh, June next year we're going to the UK. My partner's brother's getting married. Cool. And uh, so yeah, so we're off to the UK, and I'm a little bit apprehensive, worrying about the long flight, how my leg will go with that. Yep. Um, but I'm figuring if I, you know, if I take all the right um, um, things, you know, like make sure I've got a, a wider seat, you know, more leg room and I can get my leg off so I'll make sure I've got loose pants on or, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. And get, keep the movement going. I should be fine. Um but, yeah, that's the only thing that bothers me. And then I go, it's the English summer, so I'll have to take my wheelchair because you just don't know how much walking there be or if I can leave my leg on. And So, yeah, you've got a plan for all that, you know, and it's, you, that's when you know you really have to slow down and think because um, it's not just a matter of packing. You've got to think about all the paraphernalia you've got to take with you. <laughs> Absolutely. I can, yeah, I can tell you, but, having done um, a few long-haul trips, it's not as hard as you'd think. Um, there right. Are, there are things along the way like security and that sort of stuff that's a bit of a hassle. But oh, yeah. You just you, you accept that these people are at the airport doing a job and you just cooperate with them and they're fine. Um, yeah. The, the, actual, the actual flying is much more boring and normal than you would think. Oh, okay. No worries. Oh, that's good to know. Um, yeah, yeah. The security thing. Um, I have flown to Alice Springs and I have flown to Sydney, yeah. and um, that was that was fine. Uh, and yeah, you're right with the security thing. They have got a job to do, and you just accept it. Yeah. So um, that's just what it is. And you know, I don't have a problem with someone patting me down because it's their job. I'm, I'm not guilty of anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, we were in the UK last Christmas, so we were there for for winter. Um, okay. And um, the only the only place that I had any sort of hassle, and it wasn't really a big hassle, was in Dubai. Um, they yeah. they took me to a um a little room and put me in the room and actually yeah. took my leg away to X-ray it, and that that was a bit uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But then they're just doing their job, so I just went along with it. Oh well, I'm glad you told me that because we're stopping in Dubai. Okay. Mm. So I've stopped. I've, I've spoken to other people who have been du- through Dubai and it didn't happen to them, but it did happen to me, so I just tell people. Okay. Yeah, they might do it at random. Um, and yeah. you know what? When I first got my leg and we decided to go to Alice Springs, I actually assumed that that's what people would make me do, yeah. take my leg off. That's, that's so, the only place I've been where they actually asked me to take it off. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? And mine, mine comes off pretty easy, so I wasn't unhappy about it. It was a little bit uncomfortable, but... It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But getting through, mm. um, getting through Heathrow, 
and out of Australia, not a not a problem. We went through Singapore and they were really good and um it was it was easier than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Oh that's good. Oh well I won't panic too much. Then. Yeah, don't panic too much. <laughs> I wasn't panicking really. I sort of tend to take things in the stride, so um, that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Before we finish up, I've been asking people for little words of wisdom or anything that they can share with other people who might be going through this or about to go through it or have been through it and are having a, a, a bad time with it. Um, is there anything yeah. you can share with us just off the top of your head? Um, I'd probably say to remain positive and um, just keep trying the best they can. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, that positivity and um, striving to be good at whatever you can do, whether it be with your hands, if you've lost a leg or, um, you know, anything like that, just, just take your time, accept what is and don't be angry. Yeah. You know, like if you're angry about it all, it's harder to get through it. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. so much. Thanks so much for being so open and honest and sharing your story. If you were listening, no worries, if you were listening to our chat and want to share your story, then please get in touch via email or contact me through our Missing Bits Facebook page, where the conversation can continue. Your story is important, and I would love to share it with the world. Viv got in touch, and here we are, and we now have her incredible journey to share with you. If you like what we are doing, then please download, share with your friends, follow us over at Podbean or on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review. It all helps more than you will ever know. Thanks, Viv. I really appreciate chatting to you and it was great to meet you. Have a great night. It's a pleasure, Gary. Thank you. Bye. Bye.